All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 302. The Lakers are the in-season tournament champions. Did they really need to pop champagne, though? Draymond is at it once again. What is the next move for the Warriors? The Clippers are finally on a winning streak, the hottest team in the NBA. And John Morant will be back in four games. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 302. Your boy is feeling festive AF right now, Drew. It is Christmas season. It is the only season, besides NBA season, that I truly love. I am festive. I got my Clipsmas tree up. I'm sure some of you saw it if you follow us. I got my Clipsmas lights up all on the outside. I made my world-famous Clipsmas crack which if you don't know what it is, you're just late to the game. Sending all those out tomorrow. I got 22 people from all over the continental United States that are getting a nice bag of Clipsmas crack because that's what I like to do for our listeners, some of my friends. They're also going to be getting some Clips and Drew business cards. There's stipulations, Drew, with this year's bag of Clipsmas crack, and that is that you're going to be getting five Clips and Drew cards that you need to pass out to five NBA fans but I'm feeling festive, Drew. You ready for the Christmas season? Yeah, dude. Christmas is upon us. Uh, my wife and I started watching Christmas movies and listening to Christmas music. Mm. And, you know, I'm mostly I'm I'm fired up for we got uh, my my fantasy football playoffs playoffs coming in. And then Christmas, of course, is an NBA sports holiday. So I'm looking very much forward to that. But amongst that. I better be a recipient of one of those one of those bags of the Christmas of the Clipsmas crack because that's I mean that 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 gets me through the holiday season. I'm I'm very much ready for it. It goes so nicely with a little bit of whiskey and the Clipsmas crack. It's my favorite snack. So uh you gotta save one for your boy. I'm gonna come up and get it very soon. I got about almost three kilos of it. Um <laughs> I'm gonna see how much uh, you know, the, I got, tw- I think it's 22 people are getting, getting their order and I, I'll save you a bag, Drew, but I don't think I'm going to send it to you. You're going to have to pick it up. Yeah, that's fine. You don't that's have to okay. ship it. I'm close enough. And just so we're all clear, it's not really crack guys. It's a snack <laughs> that I like to make during Christmas. I've been making it for decades. My friends really love it. Uh, I thought it would be, I've been sending it to our listeners and, and some of my, my personal followers on my page for a while now. It's a fun thing to do. It is not really crack if the feds are listening. So, uh, you know, I understand you're excited about Christmas, obviously, but but we we got to talk. Are you basking in your <laughs> your in season tournament championship? Like we said on the last show, everything worked out the way Adam Silver wanted. He got LeBron in into the tournament. He got Indiana there, the young and up and coming uh, team. Obviously, if you know anything about basketball, LeBron has owned Indiana and Toronto for the past two decades. So it's kind of like we didn't. It's this wasn't a shock that the Lakers won, but they they were the first winners of this in-season tournament. It was a it was a complete hit. They kicked their ass. Not only did you kick New Orleans' ass, but then you come into Indiana and LeBron was on uh, you know, another level as he normally is when the games really count. And the interesting thing, I've got a few takeaways of it, but the interesting thing was like, 
you know, LeBron was bought into it. And when LeBron buys into anything, the rest of the team is. AD was great. Austin Reeves was great. Uh, I think Adam Silver was completely happy with the fact that LeBron won it, uh, when it being the first one to to win this tournament. I just, you know, man, it's kind of like All-Star Weekend. I just thought it was a lot. And I even put it on our page. Like, okay, this is an, in, this is an interesting thing. This is fun. But like... The red carpet's a little bit too much for me. The, <laughs> the fucking champagne and the goggles. It's December. Like some some teams aren't even in their groove yet. But LeBron was hyped and LeBron was pumped. I thought it was a little too much with with the champagne and all of that stuff. I, I kind of just I think about like if it was Kawhi that won it, I'm like, there's no way we're popping champagne. If Mike won it, there's no way we're popping champagne. But LeBron was all about it. And the one takeaway, Drew, and I want your opinion on this. Uh, look, first of all, congratulations. This isn't hate at all. They, they, <laughs> they, LeBron was the best of the tournament. The Lakers win it. Uh, the two takeaways I have, first thing, is hanging the banner is a little odd to me. Like, they're going to get a banner. Um, and for a team that doesn't even post, like, Western Conference, like, division title banners, you're going to post this one. I'm sure Adam Silver really wants that posted. Mm. So that's a little odd to me. But the one thing I kept thinking about, Drew, and this is where I want your opinion on, is I can't help but think that LeBron's overexcitement to win this thing and and his motivation to win this thing just makes me think about, I think LeBron is playing the long game in this. Because if the, if the in-season tournament is going to be a success for years to come, I can't help but think that LeBron's thinking about three, four years down the road when he's owning this Las Vegas basketball team. And Las Vegas is going to be a big part of the NBA here in the next two, three years, if not next or two years down the road. And LeBron's just priming it, getting it ready, getting the hype ready, because he's going to be involved in a Las Vegas team soon. So that's why he was a little extra amped you know this is a guy that's won championships many times and i i just felt some of it might have been pressure from from adam silver too like hey bro you're gonna win this thing and i want you to be hyped about it i want you to be so freaking hyped act like this is the biggest deal ever and trust me it's gonna come tenfold down the road but what were your takeaways are you stoked on this are you are you because like look i it kind of goes back to the bubble. Like if the Clippers won the bubble chip, there would have been hate on it. If the Clippers won the in-season tournament banner, like it would have been horrible for me personally as a Clipper fan because I wouldn't hear the end of it. Um, but what's your takeaway, Drew? Are you stoked on it? And, and what do you think about my LeBron take as far as, you know, being part owner in Las Vegas in years to come? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're onto something there for sure. Uh, I do think generally, like removing my Laker fandom, I think it would have been a much better kind of a fairy tale ending for the Pacers to go ahead and take the championship. And they would have the question of whether or not to raise the banner, but they would obviously pop champagne. You know, this, this would be a huge milestone for that team, that organization. Uh, it didn't work that way. The Lakers and reintroducing my fandom, the Lakers and what I'm most excited about is in that game in particular, and and all really throughout all of the in season tournament games, but in the last you know few of these knockout stages, we showed that how difficult we can be, and and how stout we're going to be potentially in this actual postseason that we're looking forward to. Because that's the truth of the matter is, if if the Lakers view this as like 
some sort of victory for the season or the season is now good to go because we've won a, this little trophy over here and we're going to hang something in the rafters, then we're in for a, a world of hurt for this re- regular rest of the regular season and, and the postseason. The way that I'm looking at this is this was practice. This is a dry run for what we can look for in you know April and May and June. And I'm very pleased. So am I stoked? Um, I'm not necessarily like overly joyous that we won this thing. And I'm, I don't, I agree with most people's sentiment on this. I don't think a banner, <laughs> I don't think a banner being raised in, in Staples Center makes a whole lot of sense. And I do think that was probably nudged by Adam Silver uh, to get a banner raised or some sort of recognition within the, within the arena of having won the very first one. Um, but the thing that excites me the most is how well we played. Anthony Davis, especially in this championship game, 40, 41 points, 20 rebounds. Awesome. He was everywhere. Great defensively as well. Uh, and then Austin Reeves with one of the greatest first halves uh, when we needed it too, because that was a close game. It was, I mean, you know, the Lakers ended up winning by double digits, but it was not that kind of a game uh, really up until the, you know, the very, very end where we started to pull away. Um, but the, the way that our team played, our depth, our wings, like everyone pretty much chipped in and looked really good, including and especially our defense. And this is the thing that's the most encouraging that I'm leaving the the tournament with is the success that we had with our full rotations back. I mean, Hachimura is still like 50-50. He's wearing the Zorro mask right now because he had a you know facial injury. Uh, but everyone else is looking good other than Gabe Vincent, who's still dealing with injury as well. But everyone else that played was pretty much locked in, looked pretty good for the most part. You know, shots will miss, as we've seen. We, we are still a very poor three-point shooting team. As Even in that championship game, we were 0 for 6 in the first half. Uh, we didn't make a single three in the first half, and then we weren't much better even after that. Um, but you know what? Um, I, I'm glad that we won. I'm glad that we won because we cared. And and that's that's what that's what mattered the most to me is like, if we're going to be involved in this and we're going to go all the way to the finals, uh, let's fucking do it. Like, let's win it. Right. Like, let's let's actually play like we want to. Let's have that experience in our back pocket with this whole unit, knowing that we can achieve success, even though it was, you know, not the most difficult road for us to get there. Right. We beat the Suns and that was probably our most difficult match. Right. Pelicans were just god awful that we don't even need to talk about that game i actually kind of want i think we should i think we should a little bit just because i didn't mean to interrupt you but just because of like before that game started we had brought up on the last show about how zion and bi were laughing about you know when when the press asked them hey how are you guys going to celebrate if you win this tournament they were laughing they're not taking this seriously and it it overflowed into that game and zion got a lot of heat for that game you know a lot of fat shaming from him as well which I don't necessarily want to do. We've talked about everybody could talk about Zion's weight, which is fine. Um, that he looked like he was huffing on the sideline. And obviously LeBron gave him the business and he he couldn't do much. He wasn't ready. They didn't take it seriously. And LeBron did. And Zion got a lot of heat this week. I think he got a little bit too much from Stephen A and whatnot. Um, and he addressed that in a, his own press conference. But Outside of LeBron wanting to win this, I'm not nec- – and Tyrese, because Tyrese obviously went out there, Halliburton, Halley, said, you know, I've never won anything. And I think Le- what LeBron did was show it that, like, this is important, and it is a morale booster. And also, on 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 the Lakers' side of things, like, having Cam Reddish 
who looks great right now as far as the shooting's not all there, but defensively, like you had mentioned, this guy could be an anchor to your defensive team. And LeBron's been the one pushing him like, yo, dude, we believe in you, just like he did with Austin Reeves. And and I thought Cam Reddish was great in that game. But mm-hmm. I, I I don't necessarily think that the that that the whole NBA is sold on it uh, and taking it as seriously as they possibly should have. And that's the thing, man, like when you're going in to play LeBron and the Lakers, you must be prepared for them to play. LeBron shows up in those kind of games. And the Pelicans just did not look like they wanted to be there or it was of any importance to me. Did you see the same thing or no? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that that the video of them being asked, you know, what what would they do if they won? And their reaction really does. It was a lot of foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. And even going back to Kevin Durant's comments about, you know, after the Suns lost the Lakers and, and KD saying it's set up for the Lakers, he's he wasn't wrong in that. If you look at the rest of the teams that we were going to face mm-hmm. and the location, which is Las Vegas, which might as well be, uh, you know, called Lakerland. And when it comes to NBA basketball, uh, you know, it was kind of set up for us. We were the closest team to get there, closest for the fans to get there, all that stuff. So um, I, I do think. There was definitely a lack of urgency from the Pelicans, 100%. But they also didn't play very well. Like, we did a really good job of stifling them. We came to play right from the get-go, as you as you just outlined. And they they were kind of – I think they were, like, kind of waiting to see how much this would matter, right? Like, in the game that we, we played, they'd be like, oh, well, maybe it won't matter that much to them. And we punched them right in the face right from the beginning and then really just kind of pulled away. And it would never really felt like much of a competition there. So, I think um, – yeah, I, I do think the starting from LeBron and then working top down, if LeBron's bought into something like this and you're a teammate of LeBron, you, you better get on board, right? Like that's just one of those things where his leadership, I think, really kind of grabs the reins and takes the hold. And and if he's going, we're doing this, we're winning this thing, then everyone's going to be on board. And that's really what we saw. And unfortunately for the Pelicans, they had nobody doing that on their end. And, and maybe that starts with Zion and his lack of enthusiasm, his lack of, <laughs> I mean, you can call him fat, but I mean, just literally he's out of shape. So he, you call it what you want. If he can't play for 30 minutes and still like have explosive, you know, energy and effort, uh, it's never going to look very good. And, and, you know, I think that might've even been the case uh, for, for the bucks too, in their game against the Pacers. I don't know how up they were for that. It was a different game. Obviously it was much closer, but uh, even still, um, you know, maybe some lack, lacking of intensity on their end and, and lacking of like desire to to grab this thing. But I do think like going back to the initial like kind of opening comments that you made, I think LeBron realizes this is something and, and people have made this argument. I'm not the first one to say this, but this is something Michael Jordan will never be able to do. And in winning one of these in-season tournaments. So I, I say that with a big smile on my face because we always know LeBron is is not ever going to ne- necessarily outwardly say that he thinks he's better than Michael. Or he, he oh, thinks- I think he said it before. I'm pretty sure he has. I don't think he's ever said that he's better than Michael. He's I don't know goat, if he's though, ever I think. said that. Yeah, I, I, but I do think he said, you know, in so many words that he thinks he's the greatest, right? So there's that. But I don't know if anyone's like directly asked him who's better between you and Michael Jordan. I don't know if anyone's done that. I'm sure, I mean, he's been in the league for 22 years. So yeah it's possible that questions come up. Uh, but I do think there is something to that. There's something to the accolades, uh, the long list of accolades that will accompany LeBron's retirement, whenever that is, and his, his, you know, inclusion into the NBA hall of fame. And on that list is going to be this in-season tournament along with the MVP trophy of this in-season tournament. So I think in his book, 
the history of being the first to win this because there will be more. Uh, you know, even though I think there's problems with, you know, it, it hasn't, it wasn't a hundred percent the best, uh, especially in his last semifinals, uh, semifinal games. Uh, but there, this is going to keep going. Uh, I think there, there is a lot of intrigue and with competitions like this, the more years you, you have of it, the greater it becomes, the greater the importance is to the fans and to the players, and so I think for Adam Silver, even though I said initially that the Pacers would have been maybe the fairy tale kind of ending, the next best thing, and maybe in, in Silver's book, this might have been the best, is LeBron winning it. LeBron taking it down. The Lakers are a perfect. storied organization with one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time. Like this works out really well. And it, and it's a big validation for Adam Silver seeing LeBron and the Lakers celebrate uh, and then that banner thing, which which will it'll probably be argued forever. Uh, but I, look, I think this is where I'll, I'll end specific to the Lakers. I do want to get into some of the other stuff that happened in the, in, in the tournament, uh, in the, in the semifinals in Vegas and finals. Uh, but specific to the banner, I think if we're going to raise a banner, it should not look anything like in size or shape. No, it needs to be like a towel. Yes. It needs to be small right. or it needs to be, uh, Kind of like the way that colleges or, you know, certain certain organizations will have the Western Conference, you know, one banner. And then you list the years that you've won the Western Conference mm. or in college, the years that you've won the conference that you're in, like the Pac-12 for Arizona, for instance. It's got to be one of those. So it's, maybe we create a big banner that says in-season tournament champions. And there's one slot right there. Boom, 2023. And, and then there's a lot extra space on that banner so that we can lower it and then put 2020, whatever the next championship right. is. Maybe that's the way that we go about it. And, and it shouldn't feel that bad. And a lot of people have quoted, remembered Kobe's quote saying that the only thing that we hang in, in, in Lakers arena is championships. And it's funny because this is a championship. So technically we're, you're still within the bounds of what Kobe has said, we won a trophy. This is a championship in its own sense. It's not the championship, which is what I'm assuming Kobe was referring to. Uh, but you know, I'm not for raising the banner. Adam Silver, everyone else, uh, I, they can have their own opinion on it. Uh, but that's my thoughts: is that if we're going to raise it, make it look a lot different, or meet even different placement than than where we have all of our Don't jerseys. Don't put it in the rafters, though. Like maybe you could do like a trophy case somewhere in well, Staples and have that. I'm sure the trophy will be there, or the replica of the trophy will be there for sure. But anyway, that's that's the most interesting part about this whole celebration and stuff is that for a team that has you know 17 championships, same thing with the Celtics. Like, what do you do with this? Uh, but you still need to give it some sort of spot in in the stadium. So I understand that point of view. But the the last thing that I'll mention just in this in this closing game, and I do want to go. Like I said, I want to go back a little bit to some of the other stuff that I saw, but specific to this game, we saw the Lakers relative to defense really make it difficult for Tyrese Halliburton to do his things, the things that he was doing previously in, in, in these games, regular season or in season tournament. And immediately we jumped him all over the place. We were spying those little pick and rolls and those little drop off passes. We had a, a really great defensive scheme. We forced two turnovers out of Halliburton in the first like two minutes of the game. So I think that immediately set the tone. Because he hadn't had on, one the whole tournament, right? He hadn't, he had, hadn't had one in like four games right. and was having all these, you know, all these assists and all these points. And we just really made it difficult. And that was Cam Reddish and Torian Prince and, uh, you know, a long list of guys chipped in there. Uh, but our scheme was super impactful. 
and it made a huge difference in the way that Tyrese Halliburton wasn't able to get comfortable comparatively to, to how he's been comfortable in these other games. So just super impressed with the way that we played, the passion that we played in, played with, uh, and we'll see how long that lasts. We lost to Dallas coming off of that, which I think, you know, I don't know, especially if you're popping champagne, you're, you're spending a night in Vegas most likely. I don't know how ready we were for that Dallas game. Uh, and and Dante Exum had a phenomenal game. But we'll just see. We'll see if this is a launching point for us because we haven't necessarily been at the top of the West. We've been, you know, kind of right around 500 except for these last couple of weeks where we've really started to pick it up in conjunction with this in-season tournament. So we'll see if this, this creates you know, some momentum, some downhill momentum for us. I would love for us to be in the one, two or three seed as we turn into the, you know, into the new year, or as we look, you know, ahead into uh, maybe all-star break. I would love for that to be the case right now. We're still sitting a little outside of that. Um, but, you know, a lot of encouragement from this and even for the Pacers too, I think they got to be pretty encouraged with how they played overall. And in this game, they were in it. Like I said, you know, we were, this was not a dominant, you know, like we just shut them down kind of performance like we had against the Pelicans. The Pacers have have a little something, but you know, against us, we're just a very difficult matchup. And Darvin Ham was pounding it, <laughs> you know, vocally even in in uh, in interviews, and and just you could hear him during the game get the ball inside, and we just dominated them there. And I think that's their we- that's their weakness in, in in Indiana is they just don't have enough big bodies for them to contend with the the level of points in the paint that we can get as a team. But that's a long winded. <laughs> long-winded thing and oh you asked me about lebron in vegas i do think lebron's gonna be part of the ownership there I'll, we don't have to talk too lo- too much about this i think you're right i think he's gearing everyone up and trying to get people in las vegas excited for the eventual arrival of uh, an nba team there i do think he'll be a part of that in some form or fashion uh but i and i would i would assume that that also weighed into how much he cared about this so i think you hit the nail on the head with that well i we also I know this is not, this isn't like breaking news or anything, but this is LeBron again at 39 years old, winning MVP of a freaking tournament, man. Like how, how, why are we so numb to the fact that this guy is still freaking awesome? He is absolutely phenomenal. I don't care if you hate him or not. This guy is absolutely amazing. At everything going downhill, there is no stopping him. Doesn't matter what freaking team you're on, and this guy is a, is a savant. You don't think that LeBron was the catalyst to how we're going to get Tyrese Halliburton out of this game? Have you ever listened to LeBron on the sideline just pick part a deep an offense or a defense? Like this guy is phenomenal. So we don't need to spend all the time giving all this love to LeBron. But like, yo, this guy's still doing it. Like the. The, when you look at the numbers for people that have played 20 years or more in the NBA, it's like LeBron at 27 points a game. And then it's like Robert Parrish at six points a game in his 20th <laughs> year or four points. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, a funny thing is, too, you got to admit, like Adam Silver was probably so stoked that the Lakers won and LeBron was tournament MVP because there's no way that he would want to see Miles Turner up there, you know, holding the MVP trophy. <laughs> It would have been Halliburton for sure. Just I'm in the just way saying, that it was LeBron. Like Anthony Davis, if it was based on that game, Anthony yeah. Davis wins MVP for the game. But it's yeah. based on the entire in-season tournament, and I think rightfully so that LeBron ends up taking that trophy home. Uh, and it would have been Halliburton for sure if it was Indiana. And then, you know, really fast, they they came out and said, you know what? 
maybe we'll, it'll be an automatic playoff berth for whoever wins this team. And we had talked about this on the last show. Yeah. A couple things. Uh, the homie George, who listens to our show, a uh, big Clipper fan, he sent me a long message. Uh, about you know ways to incorporate the fans in it and he was saying what if they what if whatever team wins the fans get to vote on a new retro jersey that we all want to see and oh. that'll be a way for us to be able to purchase a jersey that we really like and i'm like you know what because he brings up the red clipper jersey like yeah. i always bring up the fact that we don't have any red in our jersey and gone. to bring back the curse of clippers like that would be really cool and then it gives incentives to the fans like I that's like that. an idea and that's a really I, I, good idea, and I, the NBA should love that too because that means you know merchandising. That's right. that's that's back pocket shit. Like that should be the NBA should be all over that. So right, like, and like like we want an, like we need another jersey. Like there's so many right. freaking jerseys out there. But I get what George is saying. That would be cool, and the fans win something that yeah. you know that that uh that we can be it can be tangible, and you could buy it. But again, I think this is just the beginning of it. Uh, you know, maybe this will be in discussions in the summer of ways to make it more important, like we said on the last show. Yeah, uh, but I haven't. I have an idea on the ways to make it more important, and I think it's by keeping the games at at the actual NBA arenas until you get to the finals, and that won't happen. I I know it won't. Like part of the prize of making the semifinals is going to Vegas and getting on national TV and all that shit, so it won't change. But the thing that I did want to bring up, as I mentioned earlier, about the semifinals is that crowd was dookie, dookie booty. They had a 2 p.m. start was to so the weird. first game, and the, the arena was empty. Arena was empty, bro. And I know that they were trying to do something right. It was the East Coast game. So, they all right, we'll, we'll start it at 2 p.m. West Coast, 5 p.m. East Coast. We'll get those eyeballs in. And they were going head-to-head head, head head against uh, NFL football that night, which it was turned out to be the Laker game was the one that was going head-to-head with – uh, the NFL. So they wanted to get that in before I kind of understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, but that was bad. The atmosphere, especially in that Pacers bucks game really was a letdown and, you know, leaving <laughs> the podcast from last week, as we looked ahead, I was like, bang the over, like, it's going to be a, a, just a crazy scoring, like unbelievable 150 points per game per team was not that. And I and I the only thing I noticed when I turned it on the first time I was like man it's fucking quiet, yeah. it is quiet in there. And I think this is this is the thing that the reason I wanted to stay at the home crowds is because then there is an actual advantage for other teams other than the Lakers in this tournament. And the atmosphere that we saw in the knockout stages before the semifinals was rabid at every single yeah. arena, and you just lost the personal actual identifiable fan for all the teams except for the Lakers. So in that sense, as we brought up before, it really was a nice, you know, kind of home away from home type of a, a scenario for the Lakers. But it'll always be the Lakers. If the Lakers are in the tournament, they have the home court advantage always. And nobody from thing. Indiana is going to Vegas <laughs> to watch this game. So this is the thing that I wanted to get to, too, is like, because I know they're not going to change that. They're just not. They're not going to move it away from Vegas, at least for a while. Like there has to be some sort of massive failure or lack of interest and lack of ticket, you know, sales or whatever, but they're going to keep going to Vegas. So then what I thought of is like, maybe what these teams have to do in coordination with the NBA is get a little bit more of this March madness atmosphere and carve out thousand tickets for each specific team at a cut rate, right? You just get it. You give the tickets away for a very, very cheap because people got to travel to get to that Las Vegas game. And if you're an Indiana fan, you're a diehard Indiana fan, and you wanted to go see this finals, 
that's not that's not easy, right? That's expensive to get there, and I'm sure the tickets weren't cheap either. So maybe what they can do to create some more of that atmosphere, that actual like fan base for the teams that are playing, as opposed to just people who are in Vegas who wanted to catch a sporting event, which is what it was. It felt like a Circus Olay crowd clips, a Blue Man Group crowd, not an NBA, rabid NBA fan crowd. Um, that that might be the remedy is you say, OK, Pacers, you get a thousand tickets and, you, you know, you can distribute them as you'd like and the, and the ticket prices will go down. Uh, and then same thing with the Bucks. You guys get a thousand tickets, and then at least you have two thousand fans in there that give a shit as what's happening on the floor and reacting to it because they know this game of basketball more than the you know whatever so many thousand fans that were there that were just like, whoa, this is cool. Yeah, but you also the the turnaround on knowing if your team's in the tournament right. or not. Like people don't have that. You know, they they find out on Thursday and the game works on Sunday. It works but, for March Madness. This is what I'm saying. This is what yeah, but, it, it, in in March Madness it works every time. I mean, not everyone can get to all the locations for sure. No, uh, I get but what you're saying. It works because people show up to these games and they're all over the nation. I, I get I get it, but like when you have the All Star game, you know a year ahead where the All Star game is going to be. You can plan. You can buy your tickets. You can yeah. get there. All that. I just think even as a Clipper fan, right? Like. I, it's easy for us to get to Vegas, though. It's yeah. a forty-five minute flight. It's a hundred dollar flight. We can get there. I just don't think diehard Milwaukee fans will be able to, you know, overnight be like, "All right, we got to get to Vegas and do this." So um, maybe there can be. I know they want to keep it in Vegas, but maybe they can switch locations every single year, like they do the All Star Game, and they'll have the in season tournament in Utah and then in Miami and whatnot. So you know that it's going to be there. I think after Vegas and Seattle are announced as teams and, and like expansion teams, I think they might do a round robin because then it would be un completely unfair to host it in Las Vegas's stadium if they're also a part of the tournament, right? Like even even more unfair than the Lakers being there <laughs> would be mm -hmm. if the Vegas hosted team is hosting the tournament. Like that's not okay. So my guess is once those once those things are set like situated. Uh, then my then you're probably right. They they might you know kind of pinball around the different arenas uh, within the NBA uh, as a spectacle and make sure that people it is accessible for people that that don't live in the western you know side of the United States uh, because it is it is thing. I, well, the other thing too about Vegas and, and why it is a good location though is it's fucking cold. Clips. I mean mm. Milwaukee. New York, all you know, all the northern parts of our states are getting nice and frigid. So maybe a trip down to Vegas should be inviting enough to get them down there for that weather. You get out of there, even though it looked relatively cold. I mean, you know, everyone was in gloves in the in the in the pre and post game shows there. Uh, but yeah, man, I I do think that there there's definitely going to be tweaking, including fan incentive, as George brought up, uh, and including postseason incentives for teams within the year making sure that and this is something we brought up when we were, we were pinballing back and forth about what this tournament could even be in the summertime one of the things that we brought up was like well if you're maybe you get a guaranteed play-in spot so you get guaranteed 10 seed and if you're in the 11th 12th 13th whatever you're in and if you're already in the 10 seed or the 8 seed you get guaranteed 6 seed you know something mm -hmm. like that but that i think there is going to be an evolution of team incentive, fan incentives that'll be happening. And I'm 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 very interested to see the tweaks in Adam Silver. I think that the, the number one thing though for me that and I started with it, but trying to get that atmosphere in those Las Vegas games much higher. Cause what would have happened, Clips, if the Lakers weren't in it? Like let's just say it wasn't Lakers or Suns, right? Let's say it was Pelicans. Pelicans, Indiana. Uh that's 
You're going to have to go Clippers 1996 style and go on the street and hand out tickets and be like, go to the boys and girls club and give them out. They're free. These are free tickets. Right. So I, 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 you know, it worked out pretty well overall, I think for the NBA and Adam silver, but I think there is definitely, you know, that, that moment there where it's like, Oh shit, the Lakers better make it. (laughs) Right. Like they can't, you can't have the Lakers there every single year. Also, like this is just going to get played out. You know what I mean? You know, I think Phoenix, Phoenix is the other one. Phoenix would have been, I think, you know, because of how close Phoenix is to Vegas, they're even closer. Uh, that would have been the only other, or maybe Sacramento or Clippers, you know, Golden State. Clippers, Golden State. Yeah, exactly. It would have to be one of those, but Utah. even still, it's still going to be an advantage for one of those Western Conference teams as we're talking about. So anyway. Th- well, really quick, though, there was a lot of all-star vibes, though. There was a lot of like the corny stuff. Yeah. That we've been seeing in the All Star Week, like yo, TLC's doing the pregame outside, you know, singing waterfalls, and like I said about the red carpet. And the crazy thing is, is like again, we're twenty games into the season, and we have this this in season tournament. And what's funny is next week's, you know, all uh, is the trade deadline, and like D'Lo and Rui and a couple of guys that have won this inside this, this tournament might not be on the team anymore. You know yeah, what I'm saying? The, it's not the deadline; it's the eligibility for the eligibility. Yeah, 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 not the trade deadline that comes later. But you're right. Uh, tomorrow, it, well, tomorrow when this was released, today is Wednesday the 13th. On the 15th, Friday this week, <laughs> people can get D'Lo, traded. Hachimura, a lot, a lot of guys around the league become trade eligible. Right. So it is funny in that sense. There's a chance that even on the Lakers, there there may not be. Is uh, is there anything else you want to touch on on the tournament? Because we got we got some other stuff we got to get into. Yeah, I think that was it mostly. I just I think. Um, do we need to do more on Zion? Like, is there something there? Because it is. I think we do because, like you had mentioned, really fast. You know, we posted a picture of Zion in training camp where he looked at. We we talked about it. The guy looked like an absolute tank. Looked in perfect physical condition. And the fact that you bring up like, yo, he's not in shape. Why aren't you in shape? Yeah. Like, why, why aren't you? Uh, what what has happened? And is there an eating problem? Is there uh like why aren't you losing weight? Why aren't you yeah. in shape? Why are you the 200 million dollar man, the number one pick? Why aren't you taking this more seriously? And I'm not just saying why aren't you taking the in-season tournament seriously because again you had mentioned like he comes out two nights ago and drops 36, like it's no big deal, but why aren't you being the franchise player, the $200 million that we've, we've, we've given to you. Why aren't you acting like it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was the conversation about, you know, I'm, I'm trying out the new system. I'm being used differently. It was the laughing before the in-season tournament. And, you know, do you, do you want to play basketball? Yeah. Right. Because there are times where we see Zion, like, yo, this is the truth. This guy is the one. Right. And then when you see him in this game, not caring, and, you know, having the 30, 39-year-old LeBron just stomp all over you, which it is LeBron, I get it. But they, you, you kind of have the same attributes as the physically gifted attributes you do as LeBron. But, are, are, you know, why aren't you taking this more seriously? And if you don't want the fat shaming anymore, then don't be fat. You know what I'm saying? How right. about that? Right. And this is coming from two guys who shouldn't yeah. be giving nutrition advice. I understand. But we're not we're not professional basketball players and I'm not fi- again. I, I keep bringing up fat shaming. I don't, I don't want the only person we've ever fat shamed on the show was, was James Harden because you freaking deserved it with your fat suit. Right. And we can write off Zion gaining weight because of the foot injuries and all of that yep. stuff, but don't come into camp and look 
looks small as hell, ready to take over the NBA. And then in December, you're 20 games in and you look like you can't make it three times up the court. Mm -hmm. So guys like us, we're going to talk about it and we're going to ask you what your dedication level is, man. And um, especially when Steve, I don't think Stephen A spits bullshit. I think there was a lot of validity to what he said. You know, chefs are are eyeing Zion. They're saying he can eat the table, and maybe he can eat the table. But so can Steven Adams. Steven Adams can out-eat anybody in the NBA, but he's still in shape and looks, you know, uh, you know, looks great. So maybe there is a cause for concern. What is what you know, from everything I've heard, Zion was about to get traded because they were kind of over this. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to be the team that trades Zion and then it's the the Paul George shit. It's like you don't want to trade Zion and then him become all NBA and, you know, possible MVP. But I don't know, man, if this is your franchise guy, we had the same questions about Luca yep. coming in out of shape and, you know, working his way into, you know, work, having the season work him into shape. And Luca came into shape this year and look what Luca's doing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, there might, is there a cause for concern? Because if BI, if they get rid of BI, which is what's potentially going to happen. And then Zion's going to be your dude. This is it. You are the man. I just don't know, man. I want Zion to be great, but it's these little things that, you know, other teams and other GMs are looking at like, I'm not, I don't know if it's worth the risk. Yeah. I don't know how you, as a GM of another organization can be like fired up to Zion to, to sign up Zion right now. There's gotta be a huge question mark. And that question mark is is remains in in New Orleans. Like, what do we do with this guy? Uh, because he is he's so incredible, even at this weight. You know, it, it just you know against the Lakers in particular, it really didn't work out for him. And he's had these games where all of a sudden he disappears, and then other games where you're like, oh, there it is. That's what we're looking for, right? That, that's what we expect. Um, but I, it, it is a very unique situation with him because you, you just mentioned. I mean, look, this is not. Um, this is not an uncommon tale for NBA players. We have a history of guys. Shaquille O'Neal, I watched him do it. I watched Shaq do this. The difference for Zion and Shaq is the game slow was so much slower and the space was much easier for Shaquille O'Neal to plod up and down the floor. And Shaq always played his way into, into shape every single year. He came into camp overweight, started the season overweight, played his way into shape, and usually, usually... Not always, but usually by the time we got to the playoffs, he was in good shape. And this is the problem with with Zion. It, it, as I mentioned, it's been a problem with you, you. You talked about James Harden has this. Luca has this. Joel Embiid has this. There's a lot of guys struggle with this, right? Because it is easy to sit back and just chow down and order Uber Eats at midnight or whatever the fuck he's doing. New Orleans, especially a city that. Loves a loves loves somebody to go to a restaurant. Loves I mean, a po' that, boy. Give me a po' I boy. I mean, New York, New Orleans is some of the best restaurants on the planet, right? So, oh. uh, I, maybe that's part of it. Um, I also think like there there could be some. I, I don't know this, but my wife would know better than I. She's a therapist. There's a there's a chance that Zion's depressed, and maybe he's. Oh, we're going to talk feelings. about dur- we're going to talk about depression here in a minute. C- continue. Whatever the problem is, whether it's you know a mental health thing, a depression thing, or just like some some weird eating disorder that he has, or not enough cardio, or whatever it is, is it, the, the lack of dedication to losing the weight. There, something has to change. We've talked about it enough. I mean, it's been years of this now, and it's just so obvious. It's so obvious, and and has been since really the start of the season. When we, I remember in the preseason, I we we brought it up. We watched one of his games in the preseason. We're like, uh oh, where that where that explosiveness go? 
right? Do you remember that preseason yeah. game? I can't remember against who it was, but it was one of the first preseason games we watched. And it was like, whoa, he had a couple fast breaks that he did. He, he like didn't look like he was jumping as high as he could. And I just I always go back to this last thing because, you know, enough has been said about Zion. He, it's obvious he has to change. Just imagine how explosive he would be if he lost 15 pounds. Right. And I think this is how the, hard this can is, that be, though, being an NBA player? How hard can that be? And 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 this is the this is the, the hardest part for him and why I think he's not going to get a lot of sympathy here is we've seen him be thinner. <laughs> Right. This is not just out of a, out of nowhere. Oh, it's like, oh, Zion's always been fat. He's not tractor trailer. He's not no. Shaquille O'Neal. Well, Shaq even, I mean, we saw the evolution of Shaq. It was like Barry Bonds. Like he was skinny as shit. And all of a sudden now he's huge. That's not necessarily the, the, the right an- analogy uh, or the right comparison. But we've we've seen him at Duke and we've seen him at times in the NBA be thinner than this. So we know it's a reality. We know it's there. We know it's possible. And now it's just now some some sort of pattern or habits have to change uh, or he has to make new habits in order to get out of this. Because his career, I truthfully think his career will depend on this, not necessarily because of the desirability of him or not, because of injury. Right. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot, but I'll just say this, like every pound that you that you have on you on t- like extra pound that you have on you pound that you gain is supposedly another five to 10 pounds on your knees Mm -hmm. and another so, so many pounds on your ankles and your feet and the shit that he all has problems with. So we'll end it with that. From my point of view on Zion, it's got to change. I hope it does because even at his weight, and this is probably what gets him into trouble. Even at this weight, he's still pretty awesome sometimes. Yeah. I think that's probably what allows him to keep eating like this is he goes, well, dude, I dropped fucking 36 Wednesday. Give me a fucking break. Right. So maybe it's that. My thing is more of like, do you really want to be great? Because right. if you really want to be great, it's a it's a 12 month every single day thing. You change your lifestyle. You have to change everything. If you don't if we've learned anything about professional athletes in the past 20 years, it's about what you put in your body and how you take care of your body. And LeBron is obviously at the pinnacle of that, trying to show people the blueprint on what the hell you need to do. Uh, in order to maintain a 20-year career. And you're right, Drew. The first time this guy tears his Achilles, it's rap. It is an absolute rap. We even saw it with Blake Griffin. After his first couple knee shit, it's done. It's over. And we all want to see Zion be great, but these are the little things that are just, they are they are, they are are notes. They are little uh, footnotes on that's showing me that he doesn't want to be great, Right. Exactly. So, and he doesn't have a jump shot to li- to, to rely on. Right. right. This, this is the last thing. Like if mm-hmm. the explosiveness goes very similar to Blake, if the explosiveness goes, guess who's got to be shooting threes now? Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of threes. <laughs> Zion. And mm-hmm. that's that's he's nowhere near being able to do that in the NBA. Are you ready to talk about Draymond, man? Because I, I we, we got to get we got to get to Draymond right now. I could not believe what happened again last night. And our boy Jeff Crompton, I was watching the Clipper game, and Crompton made a funny joke in our in our group text. I hadn't seen it yet um, about Draymond. And I finally got to see it. And I gotta say, man, like I, I I'm so over Draymond. And if I'm a if I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, I am so over Draymond. And he could say all he wants about, you know, I don't apologize for things that, you know, uh I meant to do. He apologized to you. Said that was a full on swing. You knew exactly what you were doing, Dre. I don't know what's going on with him, but look, Drew, 
in in this calendar year in 2020 Draymond's only been suspended from the NBA five times in this calendar year he has not been suspended yet but I'm guaranteeing that he will everybody knows he's going to be suspended and he should be suspended in this calendar year this will be the fourth suspension Mm. for Draymond five in his career and we're not even including uh Jordan Poole what happened with Poole we have uh you know the Sabonis incident we have the Gobert incident we have uh, the, he got suspended for the too many texts, and now we're going to have this Nurkic thing. And it's played out, and I know I've said this before, but like, yo, we've seen this movie, right? We get it. You're the tough guy. But like, are you even playing basketball now? Because it seems like this is some real selfish shit. And at the root of this, you have this, the, you, 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 you have Steph Curry, who's playing, you know, again, maybe his best best season yet. <laughs> the guy's just getting better and better, and the window's closing on Steph and, and Golden State, and, you know, we can keep living off of, you know, four – we got four chips, and, uh, you know, this was once the greatest regular season basketball team of all time. But at the root of, of all this, this carnage is Draymond and the dumbass decisions that he continues to make. All he's doing is is subjecting his team to losses. That's it. And then you you want to play the card of like, well, you know what? Everything he's done for the Golden State Warriors, he's the pillar. Yeah, he is. But that shit's played out and doesn't work anymore. And you playing the victim all the time. You think the NBA is picking on you. They're not. You are opening the floodgates to them picking on you because you're doing dumbass shit all the time. You know, even after the Gobert shit, all the guys on TNT who like Draymond Green, I like Draymond too. But they're like, yo, the apologies are done. You (laughs) need to be accountable for everything that you're doing. And you can say I was trying to flop last night. Nah, bro. Nah. We see exactly what you were trying to do. It's you getting into your emotions and your feelings, and it's you being extremely selfish, man. It's a selfish act, and all you're doing is, again, putting your, like, Steve Kerr didn't even want to talk about it, because how many times can you, like, reprimand somebody or tell somebody that what you're doing is wrong? So I had mentioned, you know, maybe, or you had mentioned, maybe Zion's depressed. Like, what's going on with Draymond? Are you going through something? I understand this is the first time in your life that you're, or, yeah, in your professional career that you're really not winning basketball games. And you're not looked at as like, oh, this guy's a, a, a true dom. And he's had a great season, Drew, in the games that he's played. Yeah. <laughs> shooting the best he's ever shot. He's passing yeah. the ball great. But look, what this is now is, and I'm sorry to say it, man, and we we try to avoid this all the time because we love Clay Thompson. But like, this is Clay being a shell of himself. Draymond at the end of his career, he just wants to fight now, right? And you got Steph, or you have a group of rookies who aren't really panning out the way they should be panning out or the way we thought they would be panning out. And then we have this, the poster boy in Steph Curry, who again, doesn't want to talk shit about Draymond or say, this is, you know, this is bullshit. Draymond, you know, needs to be accountable and held accountable for it. He doesn't want to say, damn, you know, Clay's really not the player. He wasn't, you know, Clay has a bigger excuse with the the injuries and everything. I mean, he's a freaking story just to even be playing basketball. But if I'm a Golden State fan, I'm over it, man. And I don't know if Draymond's trying to play himself out of there to go somewhere else, or if really this is a lot of just t- pent up frustration 
Um, because there's really no excuse anymore, Drew. There's no apologies. There's no more excuses that I want to hear from Dre. Even the Golden State fans. Our, J- Jeff Crompton, again, we bring him up all the time on the show. He's completely over it. And if Crompton's over it, then definitely Steph has got to be over it. And Steve Kerr's got to be over it. And uh, again, like, I don't know what the suspension's going to be. But there were sources today, and I don't, I, I don't, I just saw sources that are like, this could be a full year suspension. Oh, come on. Well, I, I don't think it should be, but like, Drew, that was a violent ass yeah. hit. Yeah. That was close to the Jordan Poole shit. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. It makes you want to, it makes you miss like Kenyon Martin. It makes you miss Charles Oakley. It makes you miss Rashid Wallace because you want, now I want Draymond to get Draymond. Right. And see how he <laughs> acts about it. Right. Like if yeah, I'm like, Nurkic, it goes back to like the Zebo where I'm yeah, from, Zebo. The, the, the bullies get bullies where, where I'm bullies from. The bullies get, bullied. get bullied. Yeah. 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 And we've, we've brought up Nurkic, bro. Nurkic comes from a, a, a bloodline oh, yeah. of like killers, bro. Like <laughs> he comes from a family. Like if, if you're going to square up with Nurkic, square up with him. Yeah. Not, not any of this bullshit. Cause he was hitting you on the hip. Like we, you don't swing on people that are just being aggro on your hip. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't know what it is. And, uh, it would be nice. It'd be really nice. It was actually nice to hear, um, Draymond say, you know, I apologize to you to the, to Nurk. That's not what I was meaning to do. I'm not buying it, but it'd really be nice for him to sit down and be like, man, I really fucked up. I'm going through some things right now. I need to change my ways. All I'm doing is hurting my basketball team and my Hall of Fame point guard, my Hall of Fame shooting guard, who if they could if they can figure things out in Golden State, there could be something there. But <laughs> at the end of the day, and this will be the final thing I say. At the end of the day, I think Golden State needs to pick up the pieces from this and move on out across the board because mm-hmm. I think the championship dreams are over. And I'm sorry to say that to all the Golden State fans, but I think those days are over. And just by the way that 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 Draymond has acted the past year and a half, maybe it's time for him to go, man, to cut the cord on Draymond. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're you're right though. Um, when when it comes to like any sort of excuses or apologies, like we've heard all of that from Draymond, and this this particular one is probably up there with the most violent that he's ever committed in the game of basketball. Uh, even though the guy was behind him, I mean, like he, you know, there's spatial awareness. He knows where Nurkic is, right? And that's why everyone's like, "Bullshit, that wasn't mm-hmm. on accident." Like we we all saw what happened, and it was a hell of a swing. Uh, it was left hand, wasn't it? Like left forearm is what got him. I think it was. I don't know, but it was it, one of those really weird, like completely non basketball motions, right? That resulted in Nurkic getting clocked. Um, look, and I, I think you're onto something when it comes to like the analysis of of what this means bigger picture. I unfortunately, I think this means looking at Clay and Draymond specifically. You know, this we knew eventually there would be an end. There, there would be an end to this, this glorious, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond era in, in Golden State. We didn't know when it was going to come. We thought maybe this offseason might be the start of it with Draymond potentially going to the Blazers, the Lakers, wherever else, you know, he might potentially have gone for free agency. And so they re-signed Dre for four, four years, $100 million. And this is like year one, right? So like, you know, there's a little bit more time here on this contract. And I don't know if this is the specific 
you know, action that results in Draymond being traded. But if you look at on a whole last year and this year, it's been pretty shit, right? The Warriors were terrible on the road last year. It was a very strange year for them last year, and, and, it's, and it's continuing this year in a different form and fashion. You have Draymond, who's clearly going through something. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he's lashing out all the time now, right? Even going all the way back to Jordan Poole. Since then, as you've mentioned, he's lashed out a bunch of times in different various forms and fashions. So something's going on with Draymond, and maybe it's him trying to clutch on to this thing that's dissipating you know, as he's watching it, the glory that was this Golden State Warriors team is now looking pretty, sh- pretty shitty outside of Steph. And Steph, again, it, I'm I'm getting really close to putting putting him into the Tom Brady, LeBron James realm of things like he is so impressive and doesn't seem to be aging very much, uh, especially when it comes to scoring the ball, shooting the ball. So um, outside of Steph. You know, you could make a very valid case that it's time for Clay to go, time for Dre to go, time for Wiggins to go. I, I mean, throw Chris Paul in there, throw Kaminga in there. Like you, you could retool this whole roster, right? And we'll just see how how long it takes for them to get to that point. And that point might actually happen at the end of this year because Clay Thompson is going to be a free agent. And right now, there's no extension on the table. Uh, Shams reportedly said that the Warriors offered him two-year $48 million extension, which is roughly the same amount of money that they offered for Draymond, except, you know, two years shorter. Which was uh, a favor, I think, too. It's a, it's a, it's a nice contract. That was what the it Lakers is. gave Kobe. <laughs> for people that remember, the last contract the Lakers gave Kobe was two for 48, and that was a big, big money back then. Now it's, mm-hmm. you know, small peanuts. But uh, Clay shouldn't, like, just go ahead and shrug that off. I think he really should have thought about maybe that is going to be the best offer that I get. And maybe if I, you know, can do well enough, they'll give me another two-year deal or another, you know, contract after that. But this could be what we're watching as right, right now is the is the unfortunate uh, end to a glorious sports era, especially in 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 Northern California in in this Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry kind of dynasty that we've been privy to that we've had the privilege of watching grow become what it is and now we're on the backside of it it's still remarkable it's still remarkable to me that they won that finals against the celtics so recently because even in that season it was like what the hell's going on so Mm -hmm. this is why you can't count them out as well i'll just end by saying look if draymond can get his shit together fast and if wiggins can wake out of wake up from whatever whatever slumber he's in they can still piece together something, even with Clay being what he is now, which is, you know, 14 points a game or whatever, maybe 14 points a game. And because we have experiences of them doing this very recently where they can just whip it together and Steph's so incredible, I won't actually count them out. But right now they're sitting in like the 10 seed, you know, they're sitting way down low in the rankings in the Western Conference. And it just doesn't, there's no signs of this turning around on its own. So I, that's why I do think, especially with uh, Bob Myers leaving the front office and turning it over to Dunleavy, it makes it all too easy for Dunleavy to be the one that's the villain. He can be the bad guy. It doesn't have to be Bob. Bob that's didn't want to be dipped. The, Bob yeah. did not want to be the bad guy. He did yeah. not want to be the one that pulls this te- this team apart. But somebody's gonna have to do it. And you know, for as little has been talked about the owner Joe Lacob for the Warriors. That's a, not a very patient man, right? He's used to success 
with this Warriors team. It happened so fast for him once he took over ownership. I don't think he's going to be very patient with this group for much longer. Uh, if they don't turn it around fast, either Joe or Dunleavy or both are going to have to interject and make some sort of move to shake things up. And I think that should be still the case right now, even if Draymond wasn't suspended and even if Clay wasn't doing this shit. I still think they need, some, even with at peak performance, I still think they need to make some sort of move to strengthen the, their, their roster. Uh, but as of right now, it's like about as bad as I can remember it being since Steph has been on the team. I mean, the first couple of years there with, with Stefan and Monte Ellis was, wasn't fantastic, but that's back to where we are now. Seems like. I think this is the straw that breaks the camel's back personally, because I mean, how much, how much more can you do of this? You know, how much more can we do of this? What's the point of having Draymond green on the team? If he's never going to play, he just got off a five game suspension. He's played six games since the five-game suspension, and now he's probably going to get another at least five games. It's probably 10. I would say this is probably yeah. going to be 10. He's not playing for the rest of December, for sure. That's what that's what I'm thinking. I've been off on my my calls on suspensions and whatnot. But even the the little things, the the you know, being up these those games against OKC, yep. right? Where you're winning games and you make dumbass fouls, not good, smart plays. Draymond. You know, whole career has been, you know, his IQ is huge. His defense is great. And he's making boneheaded decisions that are causing, you know, losses for the team. So at some point you have to look at this and be like, look, this is just not working. What, you know, make the phone calls, call the Lakers and see, Hey man, is it, is it, what's up with Rui and uh, what's up with Rui and, and, and D'Lo right now? You know, maybe <laughs> when, I'm just saying like, there's other teams that might be able to take on. That Draymond contract, I'm just over it, man. I'm over talking about it. It seems like, uh, you know, again, and and this is where Adam Silver, it's not the same as Jaw, but like, remember when Jaw, the second time the gun came up and it's like, yo, we just had this yeah. conversation, bro. <laughs> you know, we you were just in my office. Yeah. And Adam Silver has to do this again. Yeah. And you have to be the asshole. Silver cannot let this shit happen, dude. It looks really bad. And you know what? The tough guy shit is over, bro. It's been over for a really long time. And like, we get it. We get it that that's your character, but also we're trying to win basketball games. We need you to be a basketball player while you're playing here. Right. So um, we're going to see what happens with that. I think the the decision will probably come out. Oh, here it is. Green. It's coming up right now. As I'm speaking, green suspended indefinitely. The NBA has suspended Golden State Warriors for Draymond Green indefinitely for striking Nurkic. Joe Dumars, NBA executive vice president and head of basketball operations, said in a statement, Green's repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts was a factor in their decision. Green's suspension will begin immediately. The NBA said uh, he will be required to meet certain league and team conditions before he returns to play sounds just like some jaw shit right exactly this is right on cue this yeah. is so on cue because again you can't keep taking these meetings right it's like it's like talking to a, a, a an eight-year-old right and then the eight-year-old being well you know it's not that big you know it's not that big of a deal yes it is i'm tired of you in the principal's office every week man <laughs> and we can't keep letting this go and that's another thing with Draymond. Draymond kind of feels like he's untouchable at times. You know, you've been in the league long enough, man. You know, if you open hand hit somebody or freaking choke somebody out, you're going to be suspended. Got to make better decisions, man. I said this about Ja. I'm saying it about Draymond. You got to make better decisions. Be smarter, Dre.
So I'm sorry to to Golden State, you know, Warrior fans, but you're thinking the same thing too. They're yeah, thinking think the same thing. There there has to be a huge section of Warrior fans that are like, can we just? I mean, even even Crompton was like, can we just package this guy and trade? Right. I have to believe that more and more fans of the Warriors every day are like, fuck, that's it. I'm done. Like, I can't do any more. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's got to be exhausting for the fans, just as much as it's exhausting for Steve Kerr and Steph and the rest of those guys. It's like, you know, these fans, especially the loyal, actual Warriors fans that were loyal to them before Steph was even drafted. Those fans in particular got to be like, God damn it, Draymond. Like, what are you doing? What well, are you doing? A- Can we just get him? Let's get him some. Let's get him in the boxing. Let's get him in the boxing gym. He can take out his frustration on a punching bag or a sparring partner. Like let's let's figure this shit out, you know? Let's get him let's get him some sort of release so he doesn't do this shit to his teammates and to other NBA players. And this is legacy shit that we talk about all the time. Like he's a legend in in Oakland. He will always be a legend yeah. in the Bay, but these little things, these little leg these things that affect your legacy, like you don't want to go out like this, bro. You don't want to get shipped to 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 Orlando. Like this is how you want the. I don't know who wants him. This is the hardest part. I think this is the hardest part about the the Warriors stuff. We don't have to get into all this right no. now, but like the hardest part about breaking down the Warriors and making a trade is like Andrew Wiggins is probably the most valuable trade piece. I mean, Steph obviously and he's horrible right now. You're not going to trade Steph, so the next best guy is Wiggins, and Wiggins is dog shit, and Clay is no value right now to any team. I mean, the Lakers, he might have some value to the Lakers because we could use his 37% three-point shooting percentage. We could use him, but we we have no reason to use Draymond Green. I don't know any team around the league that would look at what Draymond Green is doing and go, oh, awesome, that's what we're missing. I will say Miami, right, just because Miami, you always got to throw them out there. For somebody in, in a Draymond Green type of scenario, uh, you know, maybe Miami throws him a bone and says, you know, because the Warriors are so interested in getting, him off, getting, getting Draymond off of their team, maybe Miami get a, a cut rate for Draymond. But I don't know. I just don't know. Or send how him home. Send him back. To, send him back to Detroit. Fight Detroit all you want. Run. Those fans want to see somebody winning something, right? They want to win some goddamn chicken wings. They're not going to win, win a boxing fight. Draymond Green is not going to win any games for Detroit. He probably wouldn't even get minutes on the team because they're so focused. He might win fights. He will get fights. Him and Beef Stew, the most formidable one-two punch, <laughs> literally most formidable one-two punch in NBA. <clears throat> Oh, you heard it here first. Beef Sue and Draymond Green out out to fuck up anybody in the NBA. That's what they're ready for. The Bash Brothers. <laughs> You've heard of the Splash Brothers. This is the Bash Brothers. All right. I've waited long enough, Drew. It's been a long enough show <laughs> that it's time to talk about my boys a little bit. A lot of positivity going on in Clipperland right Hottest now. Hottest team in the NBA, baby. Hottest freaking team in the NBA. Five in a row. Ten and three in our last 13. Kawhi is playing out of his mind. The last five games, 28 points, five boards, five assists, 1.2 steals, shooting 60% from the field, 51 from three, 100% from the free throw line, 23 for 23. Kawhi's been on a freaking mission. Uh, Harden has been great facilitating the boys. Norman Powell coming off the bench really well. Terrence Mann is finally finding his stroke in the, you know, from the three. Russell, again, coming off the bench. There was a little drama in that. That, that win against Denver, though, that I noticed, I had to hit up my, my Clipper guy to see if I was tripping or not. But, you know, Russ was the catalyst to the on the defensive end to really bring a, a, you know, make shit happen in that Denver game. Then we pulled him out to put in James Harden to finish the game. He wasn't too happy about that. I saw him a little bit 
pouting on the bench and then didn't talk to reporters after the game. I know he was a little upset and rightfully so. Um, but damn, we've been we've been really good. We kicked the shit out of Sacramento last night. We were up 30 at one point. We beat them earlier in the week as well in Sacktown. Last night, uh, you know, again, we were up 30. Zubak has been great. Yeah. Uh he's been really good. I think the last 10 games he's been in double figures, which is awesome. Kawhi is the first clipper since freaking uh McAdoo in the 70s to put up 75 points in two games. But a lot of good things are happening in um, Paul George went, I mean, I don't think it's, he had groin soreness last night. Didn't come back into the game. We were up so many points and we were on a back to back. So was Sacramento. I got to bring that up, but, um, he didn't play in that game. I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow or not, but like things just look easier, easier for Kawhi, meaning that like there is so much pressure or there has been so much pressure on either Paul George or Kawhi the, the previous seasons to handle the load. James is taking a lot off of, you know, making is taking a lot of that load off of them, Russell included. Um, and these were things that we talked about, like, yo, when, when James does come here and Paul George is out or Kawhi is out, we're going to have this opportunity to bring this guy in to create buckets. And uh, I don't think James Harden has been, selfish at all in his shots i think he's looking to get everybody else involved and making shots when he needs to getting to the line when he needs to a lot of things are clicking and and specifically with Kawhi, i just think god he's i I say it so many times during the game like dude this guy is so freaking good yeah you know and he's just not wasting any energy he doesn't have to work that hard right now because there's all these other he's still getting double teamed still getting you know uh, it's not easy for him, but it just looks like he's not exerting as much energy as he used to because there are these other uh, people on the floor that are are getting buckets. And, and it all starts on the defensive end. And again, if you look at Russell's uh, stat line the past you know few games, five, six games, they're not they don't jump off the board. But it's funny, Drew, and this is gonna sound super cliche, is since he's been coming off the bench, you know, with James Harden and with Kawhi and PG, we're real slow at times. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? We we it, it is, and that's methodical. That's the way James plays. It's not super fast paced. That's why we have, uh, you know, Terrence in the game to 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 run up the floor and and get that offense fast. But it's real slow, and we run offenses through James to get Kawhi the ball to get PG his shots to set up, uh, Terrence in the corner to feed Zub early. Uh, and again, I've brought up that Zub and, and Harden have really been working in practice. Uh, they've been communicating a lot, and it's working. Like the 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 slip pass that I hated a lot, they're finding Zub because Zub's wide open when you're double teaming these other yep. guys. But with Russell specifically, this is the only thing I can compare it to. We have this slow offense with the starting five, and then Russell comes in. And it's the only thing I think about is just a pit bull off of his leash, just waiting to get the fuck off that bench and just wreak havoc. And that's what he does. <laughs> that's what he does. And some of it, it's chaos a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. And then sometimes it's it's chaotic brilliance with the defense and the rebounding and the pushing up the floor and the rocking the baby, which I hate a lot, but it works. And you bring this pit bull in for however long it is, four or five minutes, and it works and it's been working and it's something that you don't have with that first team with the aggro aggression you know rebounds pushing up the floor attacking the bucket i think ty is still trying to 
figure out the the proper rotations. I'm sure you watched a couple games. We're in love with Kobe Brown, right? Who is again, I've, I've said this just chaotic at times. He looks like he does not know what he's doing out there, but they believe in him. You know what I mean? He's aggressive on defense. He, he tries really hard. And for whatever reason, we like him more than we like bones because bones isn't getting off the bench unless it's 25, 25 points, you know, uh, Tice has worked out really well. Norman Powell has been shooting the ball really well. He's been confident in his stroke. I, I like what we're seeing right now. I like this version of the Clippers. I like this version of Kawhi. And uh, nobody's talking about us, Drew. What, have, have you been watching any of these? I, I'm happy with it. But I do see some lapses. There's some lapses, though. You know, like that 30-point, we went in, uh, we were up 30 points in the third. By the time we ended the quarter, it was 22. You know what I'm saying? 8-0 eight, eight, oh, run to end the third. There's mental lapses that I'm seeing. Um, and I think it's in that transition because, like, I don't know, man. I'm not saying it's all Russell. I just think there's some lineups that don't really work. It's when it's <laughs> Russell and Norm and T-Man and Tice, you're like, eh, that's not enough offense. So I think Ty Lue's still trying to figure it out. But I'm happy with my boys right now. Not bad. No, I mean five in a row, right? Like that, you got to ring the bell a little bit. That that feels good. Yes. I don't know if the Lakers have had a five game winning streak this year yet. I don't think we have. Uh, we might have. I might be. I might be missing something there. But anyway, it it's it's it is nice. You guys have uh, have a winning record now, and uh, I think slowly but surely, and slowly being the the, the key word, you guys are getting there. And it, I they, when it, it's okay to slow the ball down. When you have half court, phenomenal half court offensive players, uh, Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden, all all of those are great half court offense guys. You know who's not is Russell Westbrook. So this makes all the sense in the world to me. And I think, truthfully, I think if any, if every team could have a scenario where you get a guy that can come off your bench that can change the pace, change shit up, every team would employ one. Every team would. I mean, that's what, essentially what campaign's career is. Right. If you look at the campaign, he's like a essentially just a crazy, chaotic run flash in the pan when you get him in the game. And then you got to go, OK, that's too much campaign campaign. We got to We got to put campaign back on the bench. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think there is very much value to having Russell on the team still for that specific reason, because there is going to be scenarios where he can, you know, just like he can sometimes maybe give up a lead he can also create that lead and i think in denver and specifically going back to that denver game he did that for you guys a couple times he did he shook shit up he was everywhere he was blocking shots and he's throwing the ball out of bounds making layups and you know taking taking bad mid-range shots all of the west russell westbrook experience was on full display in that game and then he was right to be pissed to be put on the bench because he was playing really well and i think was was a key component to the win for the clippers um kobe brown I like it. Let's let's keep let's keep going. He's a big body. And I think that the thing that I would go back to why Kobe Brown over Bones is, is Kobe's bigger guy. Just plain yeah. and simple. He's a bigger guy, bigger body. He can rebound. He can play, you know, bigger guys on the defensive end. And I think you're happy to see Kobe Brown over PJ. Wouldn't that be right? Oh my God. Well, PJ, you know what, man? <laughs> I mean, I haven't been a fan of the PJ thing for a while, and I, I really think we're looking to move him. Yeah. Somebody what he just doesn't fit in, in our rotation. That's just what it is. Um, we tried as soon as we got him to the team and it, and it's just not working. And he's been taking it like a class act. I've seen him engaged on the bench. I've seen bones super engaged on the bench. And I think that's a big thing when 
you know, your potential trade target. You want to, you want to look like a locker room guy, which he is Yeah. Um, with Kobe. The only issue I have with Kobe is there was, I like his effort. I like his energy. Mm -hmm. I like him. I like what he's doing. I just think, you know, Russell Westbrook told him in in one of the first games he came in, like, Hey man, I'm not going to fucking pass you the ball. If you don't shoot it, shoot the fucking ball. But now I think that's stuck in his head. So every (laughs) time he's touching it, he's jacking that shit up. And he had a, he had a big one last night. It's fast too. Like the ball, he gets the ball and it immediately goes up. It's because now he's scared of Russell. Yeah. (laughs) Now he's scared of Russell. And the one thing that I, I have noticed too, with the team, and this is something that Clipper fans and me especially have been asking for. I'm seeing two sides of Kawhi. I'm seeing a really vocal Kawhi. I see him vocal. Like when he's on the floor, talking to the players, yelling, screaming. I like that. I haven't seen that with him. I've also seen him bitching a lot to the refs, like a lot. And, you know, I think Kawhi should be up there with the greats that are getting all the calls. Like Kawhi doesn't get a lot of calls. He gets manhandled a lot. Yeah. And just because you're you're strong and you could take it doesn't mean that you don't deserve the foul. And I've seen and, and this isn't just being biased. You know, I, I I can call a foul a foul when I see it, and I can call a non-foul a non-foul when I see it. But I don't think he's getting a lot of calls. I think he's spending a lot of time bitching at the refs, which is something I haven't seen a lot from Kawhi. Normally yeah. he's very monotone and and cool and collected. But the past few games, I've been seeing him complain a lot. But also I've been seeing him get crazy buckets highly efficient buckets he's yep. shooting 60 percent from the field and 50 percent from three and this is just because he's getting to his spots like he's always been able to get to his spots the three is the one that's the most impressive mm-hmm. and um again i think having another guy like james harden who is shooting well too i mean to, to come out of a double team and either kick it to pg or kick it to james harden and we've been really waiting for Terrence Mann to get his stroke back, his legs back. Those are the big buckets that count the most, in my opinion, is if Terrence Mann can get you 9, 10, 11 off of the bench, those are the ones that are impressive. Yeah. And also, um, and I know he's been hit or miss, and we can say you know his back was hurting in the beginning of the year, but Zub has been doing really, really well. He's got a great touch around the rim. People want. Remember I brought up, Clipper Nation wanted to trade this guy three weeks ago. Get rid like of every him. other month. Every other month, you guys want to trade Zubak, <laughs> and he's gonna have he's gonna have a bad he's gonna have bad games. Yeah, I get it. It but I, you know what, man? I just think that yeah. I like seeing him work with James Harden. James wants to work with him and mm-hmm. make this make this work. And Tice again, we can't say enough about Daniel Tice. Him and him and Russ have something really, really good together. He's been yeah. great for us for the for the for the you know zero money we had to give up to get the guy. Yep. And again, I think once we bring in Plumlee, when Plumlee's back, I don't know who's going to get that second look. I mean, if Tice keeps playing this well, um, I don't know what we're going to do. Right now, I'm really happy with the way we're playing. I think Ty's figuring it out. Um, we also got to keep people happy. And I think at the end of the day, you know, everything that, that Russ has sacrificed, that's why he was pissed off to come out of that Denver game. Like, look, man, I'm playing really fucking well. And I think Ty Lue was thinking, we want to close this game. Like you did a great freaking job, you know. I think we could have given him another minute and a half, two minutes. Because it was probably the right call. It was probably the right call. It was it, the one hundred a little early, but there was like four minutes left of the game. It's like okay, let's get James back in the game, right? I just free he, throws, free throws, especially too, for that reason. 
he got pulled right after this huge block on Christian yeah. Braun that nobody could like nobody in their right mind would would be able to block this shot. Russell, especially a point guard. Russell went up, beat that shit up, caused a turnover. We get a bucket at the end and then you pull him. Russ is an energy guy, man. That guy feeds off that shit. And I just think, and maybe Ty needs to learn that too. Right. Like, you know what? Like, let's let let's let him go like one more. We'll give yeah. him 30 more seconds. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it's a surprise to anyone that this five game winning streak is is coming off the back of Kawhi finding a shot again because that was the biggest problem that was happening during the first couple games of James Harden joining the team. Yes, is it was like this big magnifying glass on James Harden, but guess what? Kawhi's fucking shooting thirty percent, and that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be tough for the Clippers to win many games when Kawhi shoots that poorly. And so now he's back. He's back into his old efficient self, making his jumpers, hitting his threes at a much higher rate than we're used to. But even still, like that's awesome. And so this this should not be shocking to anybody because uh, this is how good that guy is. And the last thing I'll say, too, is like not many people when James Harden arrives to a roster, to a new team, should be very happy to see him. Maybe people are, maybe not. But if you're a big man and you get James Harden on your team, you should be pretty fucking happy because your stats should go up as they have with every single stop that James Harden has made. Clint Capella, for instance, owes his career. To James Harden and, and the amount of money that he's made due to James Harden. So Ivica Zubat needs to be all smiles. Let's learn. Let's learn together. I'm going to, I should be averaging tri- double doubles, right? Like Zub should be averaging a double double a game because those are easy yes. layups that he's getting and just, he should just be rebounding because he's a big boy anyway. Uh, but all the big guys, including Tyson, Plumley, all of those guys, and anywhere that else that James Harden might play. All the big men should be smiling if if you end up with James Harden on your roster. Oh, Plumley! If he gets his legs back, he's gonna love playing with Harden because you yeah. can actually you got a, a lob threat in Plumley. Um, this is the version of the Clippers that uh, that I like to see, and PG has been playing great. Um, I'm not upset this week at all, which is great, and I guess that comes <laughs> with winning basketball games. Like I'm just it's amazing. I'm not it's amazing upset. how winning changes our moods, changes everything. Uh, we got to, I'm going to be actually be at the game on Saturday. I'm going to the Knicks game. Nice. Yeah. You know, I got to get up there once to see, I'm not a big fan of going to the games anymore, but cause I, you know, got the 80 inch in the crib and you know, the clips castle is a pretty nice ambiance to watch a game, but we're going up there on Saturday Clipper nation. If you're there, come say what up. Let's do a final thought, Drew. Yeah. Let's get into it. Um, my final thought is is completely different than anything we've touched on today, but it is about a team that we have talked a lot about recently and a team that deserves a lot of notoriety, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Currently, they are still sitting in the second seed, 15-7, and seven, in the Western Conference, behind one of the best teams in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves. What world are we living in? Crazy. But OKC in the number two seed still, 15-7. and seven. And the news is actually off the court news. In a good way, it was recently announced that the city of Oklahoma has approved a a tax, a sales tax within their region to help support and keep the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma City. This was recently announced that OKC, who uh, wants to build the Thunder, want to build a new arena there, and they wanted... People's help. This is not something that's new for folks out there. This is how the San Diego area lost the Chargers. Uh, there, there was a vote uh, that was put out to the public to say, hey, we'd like to raise a little bit of taxes in this area so that we can build a new stadium and keep the team here. And Oklahoma, in their wisdom, 
after watching the success this team is finally now reaching the last couple seasons. A lot of promise, a lot of promise. Okay, we got all these picks, and now it's actually, hey, let's let's fucking go a little bit here. They they say we're, we want we want an NBA team here. We we love the Thunder. We are going to pay out of our own pockets. All those hardworking people in Oklahoma City going to pay a little bit out of their own pockets to help raise enough money for Oklahoma City Thunder to build a new $900 million arena that's supposed to be ready to go by the 2029 NBA season, so roughly six years away. But within this, the Thunder have signed an agreement, since this has now been approved, to stay there until at least 2050. So NBA basketball will be in Oklahoma City until the year 2050, and that's pretty awesome, you know, because they 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 were kind of the orphans, if you will, uh, of the NBA, having been put there uh, after being, you know, the, the Seattle team that that they stole away essentially, in a sense, a lot of people think, uh, and and Seattle longing for you know a, a basketball crazy city, longing for a team that doesn't have one in Oklahoma out of nowhere gets the team. And they have embraced the team. They've had tremendous success there, including the finals back in 2012 with some of the guys we just talked about and, and Russ and James Harden, Kevin Durant, of course. Uh, and then they've had some really, really, really shitty years. So, like, for them to go through that, right, like that that really high peak and then Katie leaves and then it's kind of all been downhill up until really the Paul George trade might have, might be the turning back up. That might have been rock bottom is right there at the trade because they didn't know what they had. And now all of a sudden they have an MVP candidate in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They got potentially the rookie of the year in Chet Holm, Holmgren and a whole litany of guys that any and literally any NBA team would want on their team. So um, it's just really good news. This is what I'm here to do. I'm, sh- I'm shedding some good news uh, about the state of basketball in the state of Oklahoma. And they're gonna. The Thunder are here to stay. The Rolling Thunder, the Thundering Herd, whatever they were initially going to be, and turned into the Thunder, is going to stay in the Thunder until 2050. So shout out to the city of Oklahoma City, and uh, to the Thunder organization. Looking forward to seeing what that new arena looks like. That's huge. I didn't even know that. And that's kind of what you have to do. You have to ask your community, especially in a small market, like yo, if we want to keep this team here. And we want to generate revenue for our city. We got to build this new arena. It's gonna that's what tax dollars are for. And they do have a bright future. Good for them. 2050, yeah. that's a long time. Shit, we'll be on like episode 3000 by then. Don't you well, think? Well, yeah, before that's 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 when that, that's when they have the opportunity to leave the city of Oklahoma ah, City. Ah. Not the arena. The arena will be open in about six years, they hope. Uh, and it was an overwhelming victory as far as the the vote goes. 71% of residents voted for this. So uh overwhelmingly positive uh for the thunder and thunder fans and and then on the in in alternate news you got the washington wizards wizards like fuck it we're going to virginia that's where the owner's about to move the wizards right to virginia you're like oh boy didn't know there's a market over there for that well there's not a lot of space in dc that's the beauty of oklahoma there's a lot of space out there a lot of space out out there to still build build things not so much space in uh, one of the oldest cities in our country yeah, but you know what? Washington's a good place to be too. Like, I don't want them to lose their basketball team. Like, there are a bunch of Wizards fans. Yeah, and you know, you know, going back, I'm bringing up Clipper stuff, and this is when I was living in LA. But when we were going to move to to Anaheim, which we probably should have, hindsight's 2020. Uh, when we were going to move to the pond, I just did not want it to happen. I wrote letters every week. Please do not move this team to Anaheim. Please do not go. Uh, and there's going to be some DC fans that are going to be, oh, you know, that's going to suck for them. But unfortunately, the owner's going to do what owners do. And yep. uh, 
the Wizards are, need a new start somewhere because that shit is pathetic. I mean, that number of Pistons, Spurs, Wizards, one in 49 in the last, Ooh. you know, that is horrific, man. Tough. Like, tough? That is just pathetic. Come on now. Um, yeah, I think the Pistons have lost 20 in a row. <laughs> Come on, dude. Monty, you got to get these guys. Just win one, man. You got to win one. I mean, talk about maybe the best possible scenario for a head coach. You're getting paid the most amount of money in the NBA, and you're the worst team, and no one cares, and you're totally fine. That's crazy. Nobody legit cares about the Nobody defense. gives a shit. He's just cashing that check every, every fucking game. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts going to be quick. You know, Jaw Jaw's going to be back in four games. Uh, the yes. Grizzlies, the Grizzlies, uh, Vegas has them at a 0.4 percent chance to make the playoffs. Uh, I, that's what <laughs> so it is. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> uh, the hole that they're in, we've we've discussed this. I I don't necessarily know how they're going to come back, but it's going to be nice to have Jaw back. But I've been following. Uh, he's in his court hearing before the altercation he had with the kid during the basketball game. And we've got to see highlights of jaw in court. Now you just can see on jaw's face that he's like, man, I should have just freaking paid this kid. Right. <laughs> because this is ridiculous. What they got this guy going through <laughs> the questions they have him be answered. Like they made him get up and show what it was like to check a ball. This is in front of like jury. Oh yeah. Like this is to check a ball. They're showing, um, they're showing like mixtapes and highlights of John Morant dunking on people. Like, do you see how hard he's dunking with his right arm? This is the force that Mr. Holloway got in the face and whatnot. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Then the the lawyer asked Jaw, like, are your diamonds real? And it's like, he's looking at the lawyer like, what the fuck you think, bro? Like, I'm worth $200 million. You don't think my diamonds are real? You think I'm Ocho Cinco or something? Like, what, 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 what why are we asking these questions? <laughs> it's so stupid. And you know, Jaw's thinking like, man, I have 50 racks. Probably would have got this kid off of my case, like we part 50, a hundred racks would have got this guy out of here and I wouldn't have to be putting up with this. So I just think it's bullshit. Yeah. And, um, I'm ready for John Moran to come back. And I, you know what? Uh, I know they're bad and he knows they're bad. Memphis knows they're bad, they but like bad. the city needs this right now, man. Like come yeah. back jaw. I hope I, the NBA is ready for you. We're, you know, you, you, you paid your dues and I hope you're ready and in shape to bring some excitement to Memphis because we miss we miss I don't want to watch Memphis game nobody wants to watch Desmond Bain go for 26 points I like Desmond Bain a lot but like come on bro oh Desmond Bain's entirely much more watchable when he's playing alongside John Morant I yes. mean I, if there's one guy who's maybe the most excited about Jaw being back it's probably it's Desmond, Desmond. Bain. <laughs> like, Desmond bro please Bain. take this weight off <laughs> I don't want to be the man he, he likes getting open shots he the open shots are much easier than than difficult challenge shots contested shots nobody likes those yeah. uh, Desmond Bain's getting a lot of those right now I you know I'm excited for Jaw too um mm-hmm. the whole city the whole squad everyone in Memphis should be fired up for this uh it's you know, 25 games is right around the corner. They're six and 16. They're losing currently right now in the second quarter to the Houston Rockets. And they face the Rockets again on Friday. So maybe they'll have one out of two of those games that they're going to win. But it, it's it's very bleak outlook for the Grizzlies. But here's the beautiful shining light at the end of the tunnel in the name of John Morant. And I'm just going to list off a couple things that Jaw will absolutely improve immediately. Even if he's rusty, he'll improve. The first of which... 
The Grizzlies currently sit 29th in the NBA in points per game at 106.5 points per game. Jaw averaged 30 plus last year. So that should go up, right? Number one, that should be good because guess what? The 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 bonus, the best part that the, the Grizzlies are doing right now is against opponents' points per game. They're 10th in the NBA, averaging 112.5. So we assume that with Jaw back, if they can at least stay somewhat rel- relatively close to the defensive prowess that they have with him back. Maybe both of those go up a little bit, but they can definitely get into a positive like average where they're averaging more points than they're giving up because currently that's the opposite direction. You never you never want that. You never want to be averaging 6 points less than the average that you're giving up. Uh but rebounds per game. That's going to be a tough one with Jaw back, but he is actually also a very willing and able rebounder. So the rebounds will go up and then assists Right now, the assists are they're 28th in the NBA out of 30 teams. For the, for just a reminder, all those folks out there that didn't know, there's 30 teams in the NBA. Uh, they are averaging 24 assists a game, sitting 28th. Obviously, that will improve too. Desmond Bain will get a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities when John Moran is back, immediately bolting up those assist numbers. And John himself, obviously, will create plays, dump-offs, whatever, to, to get more assists under his belt. And just more generally, more ball movement. Uh, more opportunity for guys to break down on defense with jaw on the floor. So look, 0.4%, not what I would have guessed for what the chances are, you know, had we talked about this preseason uh, and if I would have guessed, I would have said, well, they'd probably be, you know, maybe the 10 seed, maybe the nine seed. They certainly would have a much better record than what they have right now, which is six and 16 could be, even worse after they're down by 15 right now to Houston, as I mentioned. So good God, that happened fast. Well, uh, so it might be six and 17, um, but 0.4% uh, with John Morant, I, that should be going up for sure. Right. And, the, and, the, and what I will say is while it is 25 games in by the time he comes back, that's still a lot of games left, right? We're still looking at a lot of NBA season to play. A lot of things can change. A lot of things can happen in that time. Um, and I think Jaw will will be raring to go, right? Like, let's just hope, and I'll end it with this, that he can play all the remaining games that are available to the schedule, that he plays well, that doesn't get injured, and doesn't have any other problems. That's that's really the hope, is that if there is problems for Jaw, maybe it's like his jump shot, not anything else. Yeah, it was ESPN that gave him the 0.4% chance, and you're totally right, Drew. When your one-two shot combo is Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain, you're probably not going to win too many games. Oh. But that, Desmond's nice, too. Desmond's very but, good. Very good and at, at the end of the day, you're still going to be better than the Pistons. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a good the Pistons thing. Pistons and the Spurs, you're, you're probably going to do a little bit better than those two organizations. And I think LeBron is taking his first load management game off tonight. He's not playing against the Spurs right now. Good. Um, yeah, he's, but yeah, he should, right? Even yes. me, me and you said the other night, like, yo, I'm I'm getting tired watching our players. Like, can Kawhi take one night off now? I'm ready for him to take a night off. Well, it's just like, dude, I mean, as much as I'm excited that that all of our guys are playing, but it's specific to Anthony Davis and LeBron, I'm like, look, this is why load management was even a thing in the to begin with, because we don't want the injury, which right, right now they're fucking ramping up for an injury in like February or March. Last and thing we don't want is- we don't want that injury. We w- I would prefer the injury to be now. I want them to rest him. And it's weird going back and forth. Like I do think <laughs> I do I, I do want all the guys to play all 82 games, but I just 
for my own selfish reasons, I want LeBron and AD to, to miss 12 games. I really do. Yes. because <laughs> I mean, if the games are important, make him make him get out there and make him play. But for regular season, you know, I would this is a great game for LeBron to miss. I'm very happy he's not playing against San Antonio. I, I wouldn't be uh, really upset if Anthony Davis was also out for this game. You know what I mean? Like, it's OK for every once in a while to give these guys a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a respite. Um, and, you know, LeBron's catching a lot of heat for uh, sitting down at his son's basketball game, but we won't get into that. That's a whole no, other no, no. podcast, uh, but very happy that he's resting. Yeah. The last thing you want is LeBron to get, have to take three, you know, three game injury due to Zach Collins in the God Spurs game. That's the last nope. thing you want. Don't you know, want what's that. great though, Drew, and we're going to, we're going to tie, we're going to close it out right now. But like we said before the show, this is going to be a quick one. One thing we never do is do a quick freaking show. That's you know true. what I mean? Like we we're at an hour and a half right now, so appreciate everybody that's listening. Obviously, we're gonna be back shortly. Happy freaking holidays, man! I can't mm-hmm. wait to use our famous line every Christmas that I'm gonna use next week. I'm not gonna break it out right now, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to it. We're gonna be back shortly. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. Happy Hanukkah to all those celebrating. Mazel. You know what it is. You know-